Uh, just to let you know where I would like to go uh, in the next couple of months. As I've said um, in the beginning of the year, I, I've been thinking about heaven um, and how nice it would be go to, nice to, to, to go to heaven eventually. <laughs> but I'm just uh, I'm burning to, to, to talk about heaven, and I'm going to start that next week, all right? So I've prepared a series. It's, a, it's, a, it's about uh, two months' worth of uh, thinking about heaven, big questions about heaven. What's heaven going to be like? Can we know what heaven is going to be like? What does the Bible say? What about all things like people who claim to have died and gone to heaven and come back and tell us this is what heaven looks like? What do we do with that? How do we understand those kind of things? So I'm really excited to be preaching on heaven, and I hope that it's going to help you live well now, all right? It's not just about um, understanding about eternity one day when we die and kind of having this kind of sense of there's something glorious that is coming. I believe that as we learn about heaven, we're going to learn to live well now because we start to li live for eternity in a whole fresh way. So I hope it will encourage you. I hope it will, will change your life. And particularly if you have faced a tragedy in your life and you've lost a loved one, or you're facing that, some kind of sickness. We've all had to deal with those kind of things in our lives. Saying goodbye to our parents, one of those things that I have had to walk through in the last number of years, saying goodbye to my mother. And what does that mean as a Christian? How do you handle that kind of suffering that you're going through, that grieving that you're going through? Well, all these things have to do with heaven and how we see eternity. And I really hope it's going to encourage you and refresh you. So uh, if you've got friends that could... could um, benefit from that invite them over the next couple of months right but i'd like to just kind of pick up on what clive was um speaking about in terms of us as christians being saved and having a job to do and uh, that god has called us to something and that we are called into obedience uh, that grace and obedience are not things that oppose each other rather they are things that complement each other and uh, I want to pick up this morning on where Clive finished last week on one verse, James chapter 1, verse 22. I'm just going to look at that verse with you this morning, and I hope it will encourage you as we look forward to this term, to the thing that God has called us to do as a church, as you think about your own life, what God has called you to do, and how God has called you to live in whatever area you're serving the Lord, at, in business or in, in, in your own uh, career, whatever it is, God has got something for us to do, all right? And it's about obedience. And uh, it kind of fits in also what we were looking at in terms of Hebrews, the great heroes of the faith, and how they managed to persevere. And what they all did was they heard the one thing that God had called them to do. And why we remember them is because they are people that did the one thing that God had called them to do. They were obedient. They persevered. And so it all kind of fits together. And we're going to look at these things again this morning. So verse 22. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourself. For if one, anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, but he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. You know, James uh, is a brilliant book. It's a succinct book. James is a very brilliant thinker, clear thinker. And he, right in one couple of sentences, puts his finger on one area that affects every Christian, and he basically tells us why we stop growing. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about Christians that stop growing. And all of us can know the Lord. We can be saved. We can know the Holy Spirit. We can hear His Word in our hearts every day. And we can still, at the same time, stop growing. 
Isn't that an incredible thought? You can know Jesus, you can know the Holy Spirit, you can know His Word, and you can stop growing. You can remain in the same place for the rest of your life, knowing Jesus, loving Him, but not growing. Now, James is trying to encourage us not to be like that. And uh, I've used this phrase before, uh, arrested development. Uh, it's, it's, it's a kind of phrase that describes these two verses. That's what James is saying. He says you can get to a process in your life where your development is stopped and your, your, your progress as a Christian is put on hold. And it's a very, very simple thing that he is um, trying to say to us. He's saying, if you want to carry on developing as a Christian, then there's something that needs to happen in your heart is that you learn to be a doer out of hearing God's voice. You learn to be obedient. And if you are a doer of God's Word in, in, in response to the Holy Spirit in an obedient way, you will continue growing. Can I just say this kindly? If you are in a process in your life right now and you feel like you're not hearing God, that your life is kind of just in the same place as it was, can I ask you kindly, what did you do with the last thing that God told you to do? Have you obeyed? Have you done that thing? It could be a very simple thing. You see, that, that, that's how God works in our lives. He speaks to us by His Spirit, through His Word, and then He expects us to respond out of grace, not out of legalism, out of grace to His Word, and to do the thing that He's called us to do. And when we do the thing that He's called us to do, He blesses us, and the next thing is released that He wants us to do. Sometimes we get stuck as Christians because we just don't respond out of obedience, and we stop growing. And our life kind of seems to go around the same track all the time. And this is what James is trying to say. Don't be like that. Don't be a Christian like that. You might be saved. You might know Jesus. You know the Holy Spirit. You know His Word. But don't get stuck. The way to not get stuck is to obey what God says to you and to do what He says. Be a doer of the Word, not just a hearer of the Word. And there's a great therefore moment that introduces verse 22. Can you just read with me verse 9? Uh, sorry, verse 19. James says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Isn't that an amazing thing? Any kind of anger doesn't produce God's righteousness. Therefore, put away, this has the big therefore moment, therefore, put away all filthiness, all wickedness, and receive with meekness, the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. So why do I say it's one of the great therefore moments? Because the New Testament often works like this. It helps us to understand in the light of the big thing that God has done for us, we need to do some small things. This is what James is saying. In the light of your salvation, the big thing that Jesus has done for you, Jesus has already done the big thing. You are saved. What is the little thing that you have to do? Well, the little thing that you and I do by the power of the Spirit is don't get angry. Put off filthiness. Put off immorality. That's the small thing that you do because God has already done the big thing for you in Jesus. Do you get it? And so that's what he's saying. So he's saying... In verse 22, that's the big thing that introduces verse 22. And he says, we are to receive the implanted word. And then he begins verse 22 with a but. Do you notice that? But, but be doers of the word, not hearers only. And that has a, a clear implications for us. And I'd just like to speak through some of those um, with you this morning. So he's saying, 
if you've succeeded in putting away uh, of thinking before speaking, if you are getting your anger un under control, if you're putting away immorality in your life, if you are uh, encouraging the new man in yourself by the power of the Spirit, all of those things by the power of the Spirit, if you've succeeded in doing all of those things, that is wonderful. And then he says, but you can have done all of that stuff and still just be a hearer of the Word and not a doer of the Word. And so for me, it is a tragedy that in the church we can have Christians that know Jesus, that um, have heard a call on their lives, have responded to the Holy Spirit, are saved by the grace of the Word, uh, uh, the grace of God, are receiving the Word, and they still at the same time stop growing. Isn't that a frustration? <laughs> We can have congregations that come week after week and hear the word and respond and get prayed for and ministered to and stop growing. I'm not accusing any of you. I'm looking at my own life. But isn't that the great tragedy of the church? We can be ministered to all the time. We can go to Soul Survivor and be encouraged and built up and be prayed for and come away encouraged and stop growing. Go to New Wine. Have the same experience and stop growing. What is my point? My point is precisely what James is trying to say is that it depends on what you see as the normal Christian life. And for me as a pastor, this is the tragedy that so many Christians view the normal Christian life as something that is deficient. What do I mean? Well, for some, the understanding of the normal Christian life is that you still kind of flirt with the world a little bit. You kind of flirt with temptation a little bit. You blame, when you are tempted, you blame God and say, God, why are you, why are you, why are you letting me be tempted like this? Or you, you blame your, your temperament. Oh, I was just born like this. You know, I can't, I can't, get, um, I can't get a handle on this. It's, you know, it's just my personality. It's just the way I am. I can't change. And there's a whole bunch of us as Christians that live like that. We kind of just go on, on this endless cycle that there's no other way to live. We can't really get these things under control. We blame God. We blame our temperament. We blame ourselves. And we go around the same old problems year after year, feeling these weaknesses, not overcoming them, and feeling introverted and guilt-ridden and always repenting and saying sorry to God. And we say, well, that actually is the normal Christian life. That's how it should be for everybody. And that's what I mean when I say we have arrested development. We stop growing. We, we, we stop uh, making progress in our Christian walk. You see, I think there's a particular joy in your life that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit when you start saying no to anger, when you start saying no to unrighteousness. When you start saying, no, I'm not going to respond like that anymore, there's a particular joy that comes which is unspeakable. That's the life of the Spirit. And we can all know that kind of life of the Spirit. And what James is saying is you can't even begin to live like that unless you've heard the Word of God. That it really has, you've received it in your heart. That's the first part, is hearing the Word of God. But you only really start to live like that once you start to do it. And then there's a whole new power that comes. There's a whole new sense of, of overcoming. I've, so, someone said to me, um, talking about temptation, I believe this. The more that you resist temptation in your life, you know what it does for you? It shows you just how strong temptation is. And people who give in easily like that to, to temptation don't even really know how hard it is. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? The longer you resist 
the more difficult you know it is, and the, uh, the only way to resist temptation like that is by the power of the Spirit. That's what I'm trying to say to you. There's a dignity that comes into our lives. There's a joy that comes into our lives when we learn to live like this by the power of the Spirit. And that's what James is saying. He's saying it comes as you start to obey. And you hear the Word, but you also be a doer of the Word. And so I want to just, as an introduction, this kind of way, I want to say this. There's a vast difference in our lives between joyful obedience to what God has called us to do and what, what God is saying and joyless legalism. There's a vast, vast difference. And let's not confuse the two. Let's live joyful, obedient lives by the power of the Spirit, never giving in to legalism in our lives. So I'd just like to make three very basic points. One, what does the doer of the Word look like then? If all of that I'm saying is, is true, what does the doer of the Word look like? How do we know that we are doers of the Word? Well, I'll put it simply, it's someone who embodies the Word of God. And I'm not talking about an intellectual uh, knowing of theology. You know, for me, when I look at uh, Jesus and I look at Paul and other great heroes of the faith, it wasn't that they knew stuff about God that made their lives powerful. It wasn't. It was that they lived stuff that made their lives powerful. Okay? And uh, Paul, it wasn't about ever about his education or his learning or his background. In Philippians 1.20, he says this. He says, It's my eager expectation and my hope that I will not be at all ashamed but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. What he's trying to say, what Paul is trying to say, and this is the genius of Paul, he's trying to say, I want to honor God in my body, in my life, all the time. I want to honor in everything that I do, Christ must be honored and glorified in my body, in the way that I live. See, this is why the, 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 the Christian life was so different to the Greek life. Because the, Paul preached to Greeks, and Greeks believed that your body was completely evil, but that your spirit was good. And so that's why they majored on when you die, what lives? Your spirit lives. And your spirit lives forever, but your body dies. It's not a Christian understanding of, our, of, 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 of eternity. Paul was saying, no, we, it's not that your body's evil, it's your whole life, your, your spirit, your soul, and your body, God is honored in everything. And so when they, they preached the resurrection and they said, your body gets raised from the dead physically, the Greeks couldn't get their heads around. They said, this is absolute, we, we can't accept this. Your body is evil, it dies. Now, Christian, Christian teaching is that we will have a resurrected body. Your body's not evil. You honor God in your body, in how you live. And that's what Paul uh, says, and this is what James is saying. And so he says, be doers. And um, I find it particularly challenging and terrifying that what, what he's really saying to us is that we must become continually more and more like Jesus. And that we do that as we are obedient. It's astonishing, it's remarkable, and for me, it is terrifying to know that God, uh, in a sense, God is saying, I want you to become more and more like my son. But we do that as we simply respond to what he says to us. And uh, that is the process of obedience that I'm trying to encourage you with this morning. So, can I just then say the second thing? I, I think Paul, uh, Paul, see, I'm always talking, read, read Paul too much. So, yeah, this is actually James we're talking about. What, what James is really trying to say is that there really are three kinds of Christians. 
And I'm not saying this again to accuse anyone here. I'm saying this that we can respond to God and say, okay, God, where am I in this process? There are three kind of Christians. First, there are those kind of Christians that are, like I've said, continually flirt with the world, think that's the normal Christian life, do not know the joy of resisting temptation, the flesh, the devil. There's that kind of Christian, saved, but still kind of in this process of just endlessly going around in a circle with the same old problems. One kind of Christian. Second kind of Christian are those that succeed by the power of the Spirit to resist the flesh. They have received the Word of God, and they've responded to the Holy Spirit, and they are putting to death in their lives the thing that God is calling them to put to death. They're dealing with anger. They're dealing with this kind of thing by the power of the Spirit, but they stop there. And then there's a third kind of Christian, James says, who's done all of those things, and then on top of that is a doer of the word. Can you imagine what would happen to this church community if every one of us became a doer of the word? Just simply did what God told us to do every day. We responded in obedience and did that thing. I, I say to you, we would have revival. We would. <laughs> we would have revival. St. Albans would be changed if every Christian in St. Albans simply did what God was calling them to do. Simply obeyed. We would have revival. And so I think James, in this very simple verse, is trying to encourage us not to stay in either of those first two groups, but to allow, uh, to challenge ourselves, not allow, but challenge ourselves into obedience by the power of the Spirit. And he says a very powerful thing. He says, if you, if you do that, if you remain in that second group, he says, the only person that you are deceiving is yourself. That's what he says, isn't it? He says, uh, be doers of the word, not hearers only, because you deceive yourself. For if everyone is, anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, it's like a man who looks in the mirror at his natural face. And he, f he forgets after a while what he looks like and he goes away. He says the only person that you fool when, you, when you, are, you, you don't respond out of obedience is yourself. And the Greek here is uh, very interesting. It means to misreckon. It means to miscalculate. It's possible to miscalculate in our lives as a Christian. What I mean? What I mean is uh, this, that we can think that we've done everything that we need to do, that we've responded by the Holy Spirit, we've heard God's Word, He's spoken to us, and we've accepted all of that. And it's possible still at that point to deceive ourselves by thinking that's all that is needed. And so that's why it's possible that we can have churches full of Christians that come week after week to hear God's Word, to be prayed for, to be uh, encouraged, and then not to go out and live any differently, but just to come back the next week and do the same thing over and over again. It's a bit like, um, it's a bit like uh, thinking of church like a hairdressing salon. We come to church. Why do we come to church? To primp ourselves up a little bit. To get our hair done nicely. To look good. To feel good. What does James say? To look in the mirror. Can I say this? Uh, I'm not picking on the girls, but girls, how many of you feel better about yourselves the longer you look in the mirror? Anyone here? Any guys, when you take off your shirt and you look at yourself in the mirror, feel better and better about yourselves and your masculinity the more you look in the mirror. Anyone? 
Okay, quiz. <laughs> so this is what James is trying to say. He's saying if you don't, if you don't, if you're not a doer of the word, it's like you are sitting, you are looking into the mirror all the time, and all you are seeing is yourself. You're saying to yourself, "Aren't I spiritual? Look how good-looking I am." Whatever it is, but it's not changing you. You are just seeing yourself. What changes you is when you become a doer of the word. That's what really changes you. You stop becoming, you know, I, I trust this church is not like a hairdressing salon. I trust, I've said this so many times now, what, what, what is this church? This is a spiritual community. It's not a social club. It's a spiritual community. Why do we come? We come week after week to be encouraged, certainly. To hear the Word of God, certainly. To enjoy God's presence and pray for each other, certainly. But what is the most important thing that we are called to do? not a trick question what is the most important thing we are called to do to live as christians our lives in the workplace and not in this building but outside of this building so many can come to know him if that's not what we are about really then really this is a hairdressing salon where we come to feel spiritually good and to primp ourselves up a bit and to look nice and to exercise our muscles a little bit but we're just looking at the mirror all the time looking at ourselves all the time saying aren't we spiritual aren't we wonderful look how much we love god Unless we become doers. And we become doers when we leave and when we live our lives for Him. Amen? This really is the Christian life. And so, so, so James is saying, don't come to a wrong conclusion. Don't, come to, don't misreckon. Don't miscalculate that when you know Jesus and you've heard the Word and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, that that's where it stops. No, that's only where it starts. That's what he's trying to say. So don't deceive yourself. Don't become an introspective person who looks in the mirror and doesn't ever realize that you're called to live for someone else and other people. And so I put it to you that uh, this is what the, the Bible has always been about. Um, I just was reflecting on Isaiah 58, verse 10 says this, If you pour yourself out for the hungry and, desire, uh, and the desire of the afflicted, then will your light rise in the darkness and your gloom will be as noonday. And the Lord will guard you continually and satisfy your desires in a scorched place and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the foundation of many generations. You will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets with dwellings. And that's the promise of God. That's the promise of God for those that respond out of obedience to what God calls them to do. This is the tragedy. You not only deceive yourself if you don't respond as a, as a doer, but everybody else misses out. I think Clive already mentioned this. That's the tragedy. If you don't, call what, if you don't do what God has called you to do, and you're not obedient in terms of what God has called you to do, somebody else has to do the job. Yeah? That's, that's the truth. Somebody else has to do the job. And so for us as Christians, we need to be responding so that we do the job that God has called us to do. And when we do that, everybody wins. The church wins. You win. Your friends win because they're hearing the gospel. They're being transformed. And the kingdom is coming. And people are coming to Christ. I love what uh, Tim Keller says. I'll finish with this. He says this. Is there a lack of joy in your life? Perhaps that's due to a lack of mission in your life. Yeah? We can become fat, satisfied, overfed Christians 
with no joy because we're not living for other people. Jesus said, I've come so that you might be well-fed, fat Christians. Did he say that? No, he didn't. He said, I've come that the world might know the one that sent me. That's, there is mission in, in our calling, right in the basis of what, what Jesus said. We are called to be a blessing to others and to give ourselves away. Remember uh, many years ago now, Greg Downs came to our church, and what did he say? He said there are three C's of conversion. This is what it means to be converted, to be a Christian. You are converted to Christ, all those things I've been speaking about this morning. You are converted to His community, the church. And you are converted to His cause. What is His cause? His cause is to see His kingdom come and to see the world changed. Three things we we are called to as Christians. Christ, the church, and the world. And perhaps there's a lack of joy in our lives because we're not giving ourselves away enough. And so I want to encourage you, in terms of your, this next season running up to Christmas, why don't you challenge yourself to give yourself away in some area? To your friends, to people at work, just to take whatever you've been, however you've been preaching the gospel, living the gospel, just to take it to another, another challenge for yourself, that you're going to live in a different way that reflects a little bit more of Jesus. Yeah, And that doesn't have to be a condemning thing. That is a liberating thing. That is only possible by the power of the Spirit. So I, it's not, I'm, not, I'm not saying you know, only spiritual Christians do this. I'm saying we all need the power of the Spirit. Yes, and we all need to live like that. And it's only possible by Jesus on the inside of us helping us. And so our church, um, our church uh, statement says, Rooted in Christ, planted in family, and fruitful in life. Can we all encourage each other and challenge each other to a greater level of fruitfulness in our lives by simply being obedient to the things that God is calling us to? Amen? That's how the fruit comes. It comes as we simply obey. It can be the, the most obvious, simple thing that God is calling you to do. Why don't you just go away and do that thing that He's calling you to do, that you might see joy and a great sense of mission that you become a doer of the word, not just a hearer of the word. Amen? God bless you. So I'm going to pray. If you need any prayer for anything, please um, stay afterwards. The ministry team will pray for you. But uh, let's enjoy each other, right? Let's encourage. Why don't you tell some stories in your life of uh, over coffee with someone else of what, what you're going to trust God for? in terms of this next week even. Just one of the things that you feel He's speaking to you to do and give yourself to. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I want to thank You for Your Word. Thank You for every good thing that You've poured out in our lives. Uh, thank You for this encouragement, Lord, that um, we have things to do. Thank You for those things that You've called us to live out. And I want to thank You, Lord, that those are evidence of the grace of God in our lives. They're not opposition to the grace of God in our lives. And I want to pray, Lord, that You take this simple word of being those that are doers of the word and not simply hearers of the word that we wouldn't ever stagnate and stop developing stop growing but that the power of your spirit would encourage us that we might obey every single thing you've called us into that we might see much fruit over this year that we might see through our lives not just on a sunday but through through um monday to friday we would see people coming to christ because we are taking a risk and sharing of the good thing that you've done for us and so I simply speak that over this congregation. And thank you, Lord, for this church and every family, every person that you've joined. And we pray, Lord, that you'd encourage us by the power of your Spirit to move ahead, to move forward, 
and to do what you've called us to do in obedience, in joyful obedience to your spirit. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.